Welcome to the Walk Worthy Podcast, a podcast by Hesper Baptist Church located in Cambridge, Ontario. Our local church exists to make disciples who walk worthy of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with the help of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God the Father. We hope and pray this is encouragement to you and to anyone else you would share this with. Well, you heard right. That intro did not lie to you. You are here with Cambridge's three best statisticians <laughs> on the Walk Worthy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're here with Brian Pichur, Sean Sheeran, Caleb Hall, and we want to answer the question on this particular podcast, how is Cambridge changing? And, you know, as a derivative, how is Canada changing? What's going on in our section of the world and what does that mean for the local church? Good question. And so we want to start broad in this podcast. We want to talk about some religious statistics in Canada. Then we want to zoom in on the Waterloo region before we get into some nitty-gritty developments that are taking place in Cambridge. And then we'll conclude by asking the question, so what does this mean for the church? What does this mean for the gospel? How does the Christian function in this ever-changing environment? So I want to start with Brian. Just the other day, he was texting Sean and I a bunch of different religious stats that pertain to Canadian culture. And he had made a, a number of observations. And Brian, why don't you just share with us some of the key numbers that stood out to you when it came to religiosity in the Canadian context? Yeah, thanks, Caleb. Um it, it really stems from a, a report that recently was released. Now, recently, October uh, of 2021, hmm. and it's a it's a report from StatsCan. You can find it on their website. And the name of the study was "Religiosity in Canada and Its Evolution from 1985 Until 2019." Hmm. So they grabbed um, what they consider religiosity. They they when they when they polled uh, the folks of the con- our country. They asked, do you identify with the religion? Uh, and then they asked a whole bunch of other questions, obviously your age, how often you go to church, how, how important is religion to you? And one of the, the, the main conclusions of this study was that in, in 2019, 68% of all Canadians reported having a religious affiliation. So 68%. Which is probably off the cuff, surprisingly high. It is. For people to hear 68%, really? But yeah. So, so then, yeah, so then when you dig into the numbers a little bit, uh, 54% of Canadians said that religious was, religion was important to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so half, you know, half the people that we would meet would say, yeah, religion's important to me, somewhat important. Um, where I think the eye-opening number is, is of those people that identified as being religious, and let's just categorize religious that they're they're talking about all religions. Sure. Uh, so Sikhs, Muslims, Hindus, Orthodox, Catholics, Christian, um, everything. Yeah. Uh, so then they ask people, how often do you attend church? And this is the number that, that jumps out at, at me. It's twenty three percent. Uh, actually go to church. Uh, And so that's a big, big difference. Um, To put that in comparison, um, in 1985, uh, the number was was quite a bit higher. Um, It was around 90% of people said they were religious in 1985. 
and 43% said they went to church. Okay. So there's been a 20% drop-off uh, of people who go to church in... In our lifetimes. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, I am I was born in 1980, so sure. uh, I was a, a young guy uh, when they first did this report. <laughs> but, uh, I didn't see 85, 86, <laughs> 87, 88, 89, 90. We have stats for, we have a lot of stats for your particular issue. <laughs> We're coming for you, man. Yeah, totally. So anyway, uh so overall, uh 23% of people said that uh they they go to church. Um so that's that's surprisingly low. If we look at that um if we if we put those into real numbers, they they were giving a lot of um percentages. So we're roughly 37 million people in Canada. Um, that would put our the total religious number, people who identify, around 26 million. Uh, if you were to pull that out to people who actually attend church, you're roughly at 8.5 million. Okay. Um, so the number's quite low. It is um, low. You know, you might be curious, well, what, what, can we get some further breakdown? Of course, of course we can. Uh, so of that number, uh, roughly 11.8 million are Catholic. Uh, that's who would identify. Uh, evangelical Christian, and so evangelical Christian, I lumped in Baptist, Reformed, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, uh, Anabaptist, Wesleyan, Methodists, um, those would be, we could consider them evangelical. Uh, That number clocks in around 1.6 million. Across the country. This is across country, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so so of the 37 million people in Canada, 1.6 million would be evangelical Christian. Um, other interesting numbers, uh, Islam, Muslim, 1.3 million, um, Buddhist, uh, half a million, Sikhs, half a million. Um, so then if we looked at that evangelical Christian number, uh, you know, what percentage of them go to church? Sure. Uh, it was surprising to find roughly half. half. Uh, it comes in around 53%. Wow. So of that 1.6 million people who identify as evangelical Christian... 800,000 uh, would go to church on a, on a regular basis. Oh. Um, Which is a fraction it's very of small. a percentage yeah, across the country. It's like, it's 2.3%. That's very sobering. Yeah. Yeah, so we are, um, we are a church that, that, or sorry, we are a country that I'd say identifies as religious, but then to actually put it into practice, n- not even close. Right. Not even close. Um, so yeah, th- I think those are, are some sobering numbers. Very sobering numbers. No um, later on, we, I, I, I then extrapolated those numbers. What would it look like in Cambridge? Sure. Um, how would it look if we were to increase by a couple percentages? So we can talk about those a little bit later. Sure. Uh, as we get into our, sort of as we, as we uh, narrow, our focus. narrow our focus from broad into, uh, into closer to home. And before, just before we do that, yeah. I think it's important to keep in mind through all of this conversation is that, you, you know, you're, you're giving us numbers and percentages but those represent people. Yeah, yeah. I think you just have to remember that. Yeah, that's good. That there are millions of people in our country who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Millions. Yeah. I think we need to just let that sit over the whole conversation. That we're mm. having. And we're talking about a small country here, Canada. Sure, relatively right? speaking, yeah. And so this is a, a, a limited quarter of the world. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what 37 million is, percentage of 7 something billion. Uh, I don't know if you guys are math whizzes or not. No, no, that's no, not a math whiz. But, uh, yeah, you're right. That's a great point as well. So we should keep a global context in mind yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, now, Sean, you shared with the congregation 
a year or a little over a year Yeah, ago? I think it would have been 2020, so okay. sort of mid-2020. You gave some stats on the Waterloo region that they had published yep. on projected numbers of people moving in and out. Sure. And some, yeah, just some movement within this area. You want to yeah. share some of that? Yeah, absolutely. So we think about Waterloo region, Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo, and then you've got townships, North Dumfries, Wellesley, Wilmot, and Woolwich. And so I think it was from the years uh, 2014 to 2020, the region's population growth was average 1.2% each year. So 7,700 people mm -hmm. were coming into the region of Waterloo 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Okay. And, uh, and, but what's interesting is to notice how that has changed in recent years. So in uh, 2020, the population growth was 2.8%, which was one of the fastest growing in the country. I believe we're still sitting at the second fastest growing re mm. like, uh, uh, region in the country, which is significant. Uh, you have uh, you know companies like Google adding 2,000 jobs. You have multi-billion dollar development booms that are happening in the region. In 2019, 8,000 people moved from Toronto to Waterloo region. Wow. So as people in Toronto say, everyone who lives in our city, they will one day live in your city. Right. Um, we're facing that. UW had 40,000 students in 2019, so that's a, that's a chunk. And interestingly, 2017, 2018, 32% of population growth in our region was immigration, okay. which is uh, which is significant to note as well, and so those are some of the uh, some of the specifics regarding the region. Now, population narrowing in. If I can talk about Cambridge, and uh, from 2011 to 2016, 2.3 2 percent population growth in Cambridge, and predicted at this moment in time is that Cambridge will have 176,000 by 2031, okay. if those things remain the same. I think we're at, what, rough, anybody checked the sign out recently? We're like, we're at 140,000? I think around Roughly. There. Yeah. So yeah, we, somebody check the sign next to You know when you the drive, sign. yeah, there's, like, we pass you signs all, <laughs> all the, the time, time, right? Don't pay attention. No. Or think we do. I, th I thought it was around 170, <laughs> and I was clearly wrong. Yeah, yes. maybe. But hey, some, some, some listener, if you're listening and you've driven by that sign, maybe you're driving by right now. Sure. Just can you look? Let us know. Shoot us a text. Let us. Yeah, know. I, but I, I, I think we're shooting for around one hundred forty thousand eh, in uh, Cambridge. So that's a yeah. So that's like a thirty forty thousand uh, yeah. projected increase yeah. in the next eleven years in not a very large city, and well, some of that's immigration. Some of that's people uh, coming from Toronto. The student population in the in the in the region as well. But uh, that's significant. And then you want to talk, Caleb, a little bit about what does that actually look like? Like, what are some of the developments that are happening of where people are going to live who keep coming to our region and who keep coming to our city with the aim of what are we going to do about this as a church? By the way, that's why I'm leaving. This area is just far too popular. It's far too, <laughs> it's far too mainstream for me. Too mainstream. <laughs> I got to get out of here. <laughs> Move to the backwaters somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Good luck ever trying to come back, but uh, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, too popular. Yeah. Too popular. <laughs> Well, if you go onto the City of Cambridge website and you look up current development applications, mm -hmm. you'll see that there are quite a number of applications that are in. Now, that doesn't mean they're approved. Sure. That means that developers have put together a ton of paperwork. Um, they've done a ton of different studies that the city would require. Which costs decent amount of money. Yeah, we're well, finding yeah. out that some of this stuff costs a, like, a ton of money, yeah. thousands and yeah. thousands. Yeah. And uh, so these developers are coming in, they're, they're buying up land, and they're putting studies um, together. They're submitting it to the city of Cambridge. And um, what these proposals are hoping to do is put in towers 
um, residential units um, really all over our city, sure. um, different developers. So, I mean, just looking at Hespler alone and the proposals that are in for Hespler, um, on 215 Queen Street West, um, the old textile factory, um, they're trying to turn that into 140 condos. Okay. Um, at 410 Queen Street West, um, at the bottom of Grow, actually at the bottom of the road where our old office building used yep. to be, there's that yep. big patch of land. They've been cleaning it up for a while. Yeah, it used to be the Challenger lot. So some of you will know you've lived in the city long enough. It used to be Challenger. That's right. And so what they're trying to do is, now I've seen different numbers on this, mm -hmm. but um, the city of Cambridge, what I saw was they're, they're trying to put four towers in that will equal... 2,000 residential units around that amount. It's huge. So, I mean, that's massive. Um, you, you, you talk about infrastructure for roads totally. and, you know, um, all, you know, all the development that needs to happen around yep. having a more dense population yep. in that area. Um, 360 River Road, they're trying to put in 50 townhomes, 448 River Road, 18 individual housing units, and 171 Guelph Avenue. Um, just sort of right next, right beside the Four Fathers, um, about one minute away from our church, mm -hmm. 210 residential units. So that's wow. in Hespler alone. And that's not touching the recent developments that have happened. Right. So you got the two, you know, like the by the river, you got the condo or the big apartment, and then you have the, the residences there as well. So there's things that have happened at the end of Guelph Ave, sort of Maple Grove, there's been a bunch of development there as well. And, uh, and then along Maple Grove Road, there's like a whole new subdivision there too. So. Exactly. Yeah, so I mean, we're talking there, we're, we're, we're climbing up towards 2,500 re residential units at two or three bedrooms a yep. piece. Yep. And so and these, these all represent families they do. coming in. Or, um, you know, the, the word keeps going out that, you know, there's a housing shortage. So this is going to help some families get into housing. But it's also this ex ever expanding city, as you talked about, 30 or 40,000 people coming in. Yep. So that's Hespler alone. Sure. And Hespler in a, what you called earlier, a small city, yep. is a small piece of oh, that small city. That's right. So you, you move into Galt, and um, there is a proposal, and we'll attach this article um, in the show notes, yep. but uh, there's a proposal to put up a number of towers right. um, in the Smart Center. Okay. And they're talking of up to 10,000 residential units. 10? 10,000. So this is, wow. you know, Walmart okay. Plaza area. Sure. And uh, they're talking about developing some of these empty buildings into okay. into towers right now. So that's just, I mean, we, we all we've done is jumped across the 401. Yeah. And uh, we could probably we could probably see these places right. from the other side of the 401, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is changing the landscape. You go, you, you keep going down um, it, further into Galt. You get 55 Kerr Street, two towers. Um, 30 floors and 24 floors for a total of almost 600 residential units. Okay. I think this is the Cambridge Mill development yep. plan. Yep. Um, and and then, you know, 130 Water Street, two towers, 37 stories and 28 stories. Um, so, I mean, you're just, I mean, tons just and tons adding adding. of residential units. And uh, I could get into more, sure. but what I would recommend is that our listeners uh, follow the link to the current development applications with the City yeah. of Cambridge and just see the volume sure. that exists there right now. So why, so why are, you know, we're, we're in a pastoral ministry, why are we sitting around talking right. about this? Why are we encouraging people in our church to go and look at this? Why do we care? What is the, why, why are we talking about this? It, the gospel matters and every single time we talk about residential units 
we're talking about individual people mm. and families and if these religious statistics that Brian has mm -hmm. brought up are true that means that many and we should say actually most yes most with capital letters most of these people don't know Christ right. and so what what are we we are an embassy that's right um, uh, God's embassy here yeah. in Cambridge and we ought to declare and proclaim the, the gospel news to That's these right. people. So these people have to be reached, yeah. and then, Lord willing, people become Christians, then they're gathered, and we need somewhere to put them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have a we have to respond to yes. this in some way, not just our individual local church, but sort of the church in Cambridge. And I think that becomes even more pressing when you start to lay over the statistics that mm -hmm. you started with onto our city, which, is that where we're going next? Yeah, well, I mean, just a quick comment sure. on what you're kind of saying there. Tom Haynes, who's the church planting director yeah. at Feb Central, um, gave us a statistic. Now, this must have been a year or two ago. I yeah. mean, we were in the book of Acts. Yeah, a couple of years ago. And he said if we filled every church in Cambridge, I believe it is, twice on a Sunday to its full capacity, we would only hit 5% of Cambridge people. Yeah, right. Only 5% would be able to attend an evangelical gospel-proclaiming right. church. Yeah on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Mm. And so this is, we're, we're dealing here with the Cambridge statistics of 130,000 people. Yeah. Now we're talking, towers are getting put in, yeah. people from Toronto are moving in, immigrants are coming in, yeah. you know, this, that, and the other thing. So and that percentage is going down yes. because yeah. the size of our city is going up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rapidly. It's yeah, rapidly it going down. Yeah. So what, what does this mean for our local church? Right. I think that's the question. Yeah, um, does something need to change? Do we need to, you know, get some sort of divine revelation on this <laughs> sure. matter? Like, 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 what, like, what needs what, to happen? What do we do? Yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of those religious statistics in the city before we go? Sure. Yeah. To yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Because I think it will so help. Let's leave it hanging out there. Yeah. Like, I, sure. I, yeah. What do we do? I think um, just to take. Take those percentages. I mean, percentages are percentages. Now, now, granted, um, some of the percentages that we're talking about will probably be a little bit high for Ontario. Or we're talking about Canadian statistics. Sure. Um, but but really, when you look at the study, where how Ontario rates is kind of how Canada rates. Sure. I mean, when you get out to BC, the the number of people who identify as religious is really really low, uh, in comparison to the rest of the country. And they actually make a note of that. In the, study. in the study, interesting. Um, yeah, actually, I mean, interesting enough, they 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 even the, the point of the study wasn't to figure out why the numbers sure. were that what they were, but they couldn't help themselves by giving a couple of okay. um, couple of things. And what they had said, if they looked at BC um, specifically, and they would have roughly around um, nine percent of people would go to a church, okay. um, and that's overall again, that's wow. across all religions, nine percent. Um, they looked at it, BC has historically been low. Even if you look at like 1901, the okay. turn of the century, yeah. BC was statistically lower than the rest of the country mm -hmm. even back then. Okay, so um, it's been a long trend. It's been a long trend. Yeah, I think I think that also points to just generational unbelief. Sure. You know the it um, anyway this 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 the the, the study did point out that um, there was a very uneven religious organization organizational push in BC at the turn of the century, okay. uh, which, which means, you know, churches weren't built, right. Uh, denominations weren't in, um, 
land wasn't purchased to build church buildings, right. and so the infrastructure wasn't there. So there's no people presence. didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah, that's right. Because um, that it, real estate mat, like that footprint, physical footprint matters. It really right? does. Because yeah. we are a people, we gather in a place, and if that if that isn't there, then yeah, it's not visible. Uh, yeah, and I think you're seeing, I mean, what you see in BC then is is a result of a decision made or not made right. 100 years ago, 120 years ago. Right. It's now paying, it's still paying sure. those for a bad, poor dividends. Sure. Like, sure. It's not, it hasn't worked out. Right. Um, so things left to themselves there didn't get better. Right. They got worse. Yeah. Um, so again, I, we come back to this area and say, okay, how do we set ourselves up for 100 sure. years? Sure. Um, but anyways, uh, tangent on that. So if we look at Cambridge, let's say Cambridge, again, 140,000 people in, in the city. If we go and look at, okay, the evangelical population in Canada is 4.4%. Well, what does that equal in, in Cambridge? Yeah. Uh, roughly 6,000 okay. uh, people. Again, if we use those same stats, okay, of those 6,000 people who will find themselves in a church service once a month, you're looking at roughly 3,200 people. Um, yeah. You know, and I think we were thinking about it earlier, I think that probably pans out to what we would see in our area. Yeah, yeah. as you think about the churches that are in our city yep. and the sizes and, and just knowing a little bit about, you know, the, the number of people that they might see yeah. on a Sunday morning, yeah. that sounds like that corresponds to reality. Yeah, and, and that, that number of about 54%, that that's roughly right where Baptists land. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I we lumped in some of the Baptist, or we lumped Baptists into evangelicals, so... Um, Oddly, I mean, not oddly, but um, Pentecostals, they are, they go to church at roughly 72%. Really? So people that identify as Pentecostal okay. tend to go to their More church. frequently than yeah. Baptists. Yeah, which is an interesting one. If we could, if we could get Baptists to that 72%, uh, that would equal around, in our city, mm-hmm. roughly 440 people. Extra okay. people, okay, which um, equals a whole other church building, yeah, yeah. or another service, yeah, or two. You're going to go with that, yeah. Right? yeah. Simply by just saying, if you identify as Baptist, then go to church regularly. Attend regularly attend church, church regularly. Sit under the preaching of the word. Sure. Um, regularly hear the gospel. Uh, we would see church growth just by doing just by that. that, and also growth in depth because people are sitting under the sun of the word more, yeah, being reminded of the gospel more, yeah. and then. Hopefully, being more effective in salt, as salt and light, as we scatter. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, so again, it just like, these are people. Yes. Most these of are the souls. people yeah. in our city, not going to a local church on no. Sunday morning, don't have any inclination to, and even those that have every reason to, a lot of those who have every reason to aren't regularly gathering, which right. is also a concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to put it, uh, if we're, again, I like percentages, it's good to work, it's, it's easy to work with those. So if you were to look at, uh, if you were to have 100 people in a room, uh, you're, you're going to, four of those people would be evangelical Christian. 32 of those people would be Catholic. Uh, four of those people would be Muslim. Um, 28 people would be Non-religious, so religious yeah, nuns. Just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, nuns. What's nuns? Um, explain. What, you remember what that one is? Oh, I sort yeah. of. I'm putting you on the spot. No, on that. I, I, I wouldn't have a working definition. I guess the one. I guess I do have a working definition. I when people say religious nuns, I don't automatically assume that they're not interested in spiritual things. Mm. 
because I think that people are interested in spirituality. I think sometimes spirituality and religion is going to r reveal a different answer. Uh, yeah. If you ask, are you a spiritual person? Maybe more people would say yes than if you said, are you a religious person? Mm. So religious nuns, I would understand, they don't affiliate or identify with any particular religion. Yeah, that, that, I think right. that would be accurate. Yeah, agnostics, atheists, yep. Yep. other non-religious. Sure. Yeah. yeah, but not necessarily not interested in spiritual things, which right. is good for us to keep yeah. in mind because yeah. I think we're intimidated by that large number of nuns and we think, oh, I better not talk to those folks. They have no interest. No, they actually, mm. a lot of them really do. Mm. And so we should talk with them because, you know, well, <laughs> we should because <laughs> we've been given a commission, but um, it, we shouldn't be intimidated by that as much as we, think right. we should. So are those the stats that you have for Cambridge then? Yeah. Four people out of a hundred would be evangelical Christians. Yes. And yeah. not all of them would attend church. That's right. If we're dealing in percentages. Yeah. Yep. Right. That's right. Yeah. Two. Did you say eight or four? Uh, four people would identify as okay. evangelical. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and Caleb brought up a good point. Two. Not, not I mean, we would. can't have 0.3 of a person, sure. but 2.3 uh, out of 100 would actually attend uh, a local evangelical service uh, once a month. And when you say like attend, that's like at least once a month. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, so that's, that's not the, even weekly. Yeah, that's just that's somebody said, yeah, I go once a month. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Sean, let's let's just hit one more layer up before we sure. say, okay, what now? What is the church, and what is the importance of the local church? Sure. So this feels like a question that you guys would get lobbed at you for your ordination uh, lecture Q&A sessions. The church is, and I'm, I think I'm pulling some of the language that we would use in our statement of faith from Scripture, that it's the, uh, it's the, the, the called out assembly, mm -hmm. the called out people of God from the world, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, uh, baptized in into Christ uh, upon a profession of faith, who are to set apart from the world for God and then gather together, uh, which we do on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, which is historically being called because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead. So we're declaring something about who we are, who we belong to, and about the one that we belong to, that he is risen, when we gather to worship on a Sunday morning. So, and what does the church do? The church is the manifold wisdom of God for uh, declaring to the powers and authorities um, who he is and what he's done in Christ to save us. So uh, uh, we're, for, we're to worship, uh, we're to proclaim the gospel, we're to love one another, and uh, we do that when we gather together. So... And if you want to add anything to that, but I wasn't expecting those questions, but it's good that I should be able to answer them. No, exactly. I, we, we, we proclaim King Jesus. That's right. He, he is Lord, and if he's Lord, that means that he doesn't just exercise rule over a fragment of our lives That's on right. a weekly basis. Yeah. Um, he is Lord of our work. That's right. And of our relationships yeah. and everything that we do. And so, yeah, the church gathers these people yep. who have submitted to the Lordship of Christ. To be and, taught, as yes. he said, ever, to, to obey everything that he commanded. Yes. Right? So we evangelize, we disciple, so that people are following the Lord Jesus Christ in every sphere of life. And, uh, and then bringing things under, under his rule, under his reign. Or living under his rule and his reign. Um, because he is Lord of, over all, but uh, that's what we do. So then let's ask this, let's kick this around for a little bit. What do we do in this situation? Like these are sobering stats um, on, you know, the religious sector of Canada. 
Um, they're sobering stats when it comes to the fact that like people are moving into the Waterloo region, yep. and then we zero in on Cambridge, yep. and then even smaller to Hespler, and we go, this is a this is a this is a load. I don't know if I don't know if Cambridge, right. Kitchener, Waterloo has seen this kind of growth before. Yep. Um, I, I, I think we can confidently say it hasn't, yep. um, based on these numbers. And so so what is what is the church's response? What do we have to major in? That's good. Well, I don't think that there's, there's certainly things that we have to consider um, or sharpen uh, that we are currently doing, but a lot of the answer to that question is to not do much different than what we are currently doing, which is to pray, mm -hmm. to preach the word, yeah. to engage in discipleship relationships with one another, and to worship the Lord, devoted to good works, uh, in serving others, there's really not a lot that is, you know, we don't have to reinvent a wheel here in how we are going to respond to this, what is the, the sort of the program, which I think is what you're getting at, yep. right, and asking the question, what do we yep. do? Well, we continue doing the same things that we've been doing, but we hope to see them multiplied, to see us grow in them, especially in the area of evangelism. And I'd love to sort of chat a little bit about what we talked about the other day, some of sure. that. Um, I think we should uh, realize that it's not so straightforward as keep doing the same things. We have to make sure that we're growing in certain areas as well. But uh, yeah, I, I don't have any, uh, any great wisdom to add to what God has revealed to us. And, you, and you see how that plays out. It's so, that's so good, Sean, because that means what, what people are doing, what most people are doing, what, what they have been called by God to do, is what they've been called by God to do, sure. and they can keep doing it. Um, and so often you'll 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 meet people, you'll talk to people, and they'll say, "Well, I need to do more." Um, sure. And why? Yeah, that's true. We could do more uh, within our within our spheres of influence, sure. within what God has called us to do. And so, if God has called somebody to to be a, a stay at home mom, uh, an electrician, sure. a carpenter, yep. a auto mechanic, uh, a real estate agent, if you're retired. Whatever it is, that's what God has called you to do, uh, and you are fulfilling His calling by doing it. Sure. And you do it to to the best of your ability while being faithful yep. to God. Yeah. Um, and we bring Him glory. Right. Um, and so we we continue to shine the light of Christ wherever it is right. that God has called us to. Yeah. Um, and so we are all. I mean, we are all disciples of Christ, which means we are have all been called yeah. to share. Um, the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. Yeah, this and, is not wherever a, we're at. Yeah, for sure. This isn't like there's not like a two tier system here of right. You know, Christian and then Christian that shares Christ with others. Right. That's not a no. It it it's just Christian. And one of the marks that we are to bear is to be uh, an evangelist. Now, there's a gift of evangelism mm -hmm. given sure. by the Spirit to yeah. certain individuals in the church, but that's not so that they do all the work of the evangelism. It's so that they can help the rest of us become better evangelists mm -hmm. because we're all called to share Christ. And as you're saying, uh, I think that the phrase I like to use is wherever you work and live and play. Yeah. Those places you find yourself, the yeah. hockey rink, yeah. the office, your neighborhood, wherever you are, you represent Christ. And so we do that by the words that we speak and the ways that we live. Mm -hmm. I love, um, I, I, I listen to a couple of podcasts on Carl Truman's uh, newest book, The Rise and Triumph yes. of the Modern Self, 
And the conclusion I've been told to that book, I've only dipped into it mm-hmm. marginally, but the conclusion to that book is, okay, well, what do we do with this sexual revolution that's right. hit, right. you know, North America and is hitting large parts of the world? And he says, you know what we need to do? We need to live as Christians. Sure. He's like, we need to go to church. Yep. We need to serve at church. Right. We need to give at church. Yep. We need to raise kids that honor the Lord. Sure. And so we're, we're doing family devotions and we're praying with our kids. We need to teach them to value the local church. Mm-hmm. And we need to um, be studiers of the scripture. Yeah. And within the sphere of influence that we have, as Brian was saying, we need to you know, exercise the, the, um, the gifts that God has given us yeah. and proclaim the gospel. Um, to Christians and to non-Christians alike. That's right. So we we need to do these ordinary things within the the areas that God's given us already. Yeah. Right. And that's where the challenge really comes in. Are we doing that? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think especially with respect to, I mean, we could spend a good deal of time talking about you know like our words and our lives and and what how those measure up to whether or not we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And uh, the conversation we were having the other day was with respect to sharing the gospel with people Mm -hmm. and how I think that we probably could all look in the mirror and say uh, to ourselves or about ourselves, I could be way more faithful in actually communicating the truth of the gospel to the people that I rub shoulders with on a regular basis. Totally. That's something I think we all need to consider in light of the... The, the low number of people who are Christians in our country mm-hmm. and in our city with the number of people who are coming. So I think yeah. that's something we need to consider. And yeah. as I'm more faithful in those spheres, I'm also more faithful in the context of my local church so that yes. I'm building up the saints. I'm, you know, being another gospel witness in the life of a kid right. who might not know Christ. Right. His parents are giving him the gospel. Sure. A church member is taking interest in him. Yeah. You know, there, there are just so many different ways yeah. that um, our service factors into Absolutely. gospel spread. Mm-hmm. Because this isn't something that we do merely as individuals, all going our separate ways. This is something that we do together yeah. as a church. And even when you do something as, you know, as ordinary, uh, if we can call it that, the Lord's Supper, we're proclaiming Christ's death yes. publicly mm-hmm. together until he comes. That's mm-hmm. a public... Uh, uh, public telling of the gospel whenever we do that. So when all those individuals gather in the one place and the one time and eat and drink in remembrance of Christ, we're saying something about who he is. And so we do it, yeah, in the places where we go, but we also do it in our gathering as well. Yeah, and see, now we're getting to, this is why it's so important for people to be attending church. Sure. And that's why when we look at the numbers across Canada and say, okay, well, 73% of people identify as um as religious, but only 23% go to church. Right. Um, now, again, I'm, we're talking about all religions, but even more um, important with with a gospel preaching church, we got to get people in. Sure. Um, you know, and that's where, you know, you said we don't do this alone. We right. do it as a group. Um, if, you're, if you're having trouble talking to somebody about Christ or the right. gospel, invite them out to church. Sure. Um, they come out to church, you know for sure they are going to hear the gospel right. proclaim that day. Uh, and so we, the work of an evangelist is done through the church, right? right? It's, it's 
it, it, it's it's a plural you. You know, yes, you as right. a church, sure, sure. y'all, yeah. go proclaim the gospel yeah. of Christ. Ryan just threw in a y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and creating a culture of evangelism in the local church is so important mm -hmm. where we just know, and, and we try to do this in our preaching, right? We, we speak to people who aren't Christians, assuming that people who aren't Christians are going to be there, right. hopefully expressing to people, this is how you might be able to speak to someone who's not a Christian, and hopefully expressing to our people, this is how the, the friends that you will invite and the family that you will invite will be treated as people who aren't yet Christians mm -hmm. when they come into our midst. And then uh, hopefully as time goes on, people become more comfortable extending those invitations and, uh, and bringing in and letting the body of Christ, not, we're not saying like bring them and let us the preacher, right. like we'll win them to Christ. That's not what we're saying. Right. We're saying this is the work of the church. Mm -hmm. And we play a role in that because we've been given certain gifts to build up the church, which is to preach and teach. And so people sit under the sound of that and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. But it's the conversations afterwards. Mm -hmm. It's the interactions that happen. It's someone in our church going up to your family member or friend and saying, hey, what brought you out here this morning? Are yeah. you are you investigating the things of Jesus Christ? What do you think? And then there's someone else helping you have an evangelistic conversation. You're not on your own. Yeah, and what a, what a confidence builder that is for us in a church to sure. say, hey, I'm going to invite my non-Christian friend, and I don't have to worry right. how they're going to be treated. I don't right. have to worry if um, somebody's not going to be nice to them. Sure. You know, you can bring somebody confidently, and you know, you know, this is what, and this is a challenge for our church too. Mm -hmm. Are we saying hello to people that we don't sure, know? Or are sure. we being friendly? Sure. Are we talking to people? Right. Um, you know, it'd be great um, to be able to send somebody to a church, in particular this church, or, or any church sure. in this area. But let's just let's just use our church. Say, hey, I'm not going to be there there next Sunday. I have something to do. Yeah. But why don't you go? Sure. Um, can you imagine sending somebody <laughs> that you don't know to church, but then just having the confidence that no they're going to be taken care of? That would be uh, amazing. Somebody's going to sit by that person. Sure. Somebody's going to acknowledge that person. Do, sure. do you know what it's like to just be acknowledged right. in, in 2022 right. by, by somebody by looking someone. at you in the eye and sure. saying, hello, sure. yeah. how huge. are you doing? It's huge. Man, that is that just doesn't happen yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, so those are just great things. Yeah, anyways. Inviting people to church mm -hmm. um, and be, then being a church that's ready sure, to receive to receive that's people. Right, that's right. Uh, Which is a cultural thing, right? Like it just the culture of the church. But we're also, uh, maybe this is the time to go here, uh, we have a very practical problem with respect to the size of the place where our church gathers. Yeah. Right? So these are all tremendous things. But when then you take into account all of these statistics that we're talking about, the great need for people to hear the gospel, the growth of our city, and we're bumping up against walls. So in a place where you want people to come and gather. So what if on this coming Sunday, 50 people in our church brought 50 more people? Mm -hmm. Or like, we would be, that would be a problem. So this is why as a congregation, we have being some, having some pretty significant conversations about well, how do we address that? So we want to keep doing the same things and multiplying what we're doing, but we have to really seek the Lord and figure out, okay, how are we going to do that with the physical capacity limits that we're running into? And I'm thankful for an institution like Heritage College and Seminary, Amen. which is training up pastoral leaders, missionaries, sure. and the like to go out and be ambassadors for the gospel sure. in their spheres of influence. I think one of the things that has 
occur to me as you know we've we've talked about these statistics and as we've processed all the new information that just seems to be flooding in these yeah. days even over covid a lot of people in toronto moving out of toronto yeah. into yeah. these areas yeah. and so you know having been overwhelmed by this i think the need is for more workers in amen. in the harvest field mm -hmm. and i the lord taught us to pray for amen mm -hmm. keep going and and i and i think that an institution like Heritage, which does not replace the local church, That's but right. rather exists for the That's local right. church. Which is what they say. It, they say mm -hmm. that 100% um, is, you know, pouring people, pouring into people so that they can then go pour out in their communities. Sure. And what we need to pray for is uh, more gospel witnesses That's all right. over Southern Ontario. Right. And, you know, even we were talking about BC, and you, mm -hmm. you know my heart for British Columbia, having grown up there. I told it, you not to talk too much about BC because <laughs> you'll want to go back there. And I don't want him to go back there. <laughs> the, I mean, BC needs the gospel. And so, what you know, as, as you know, heritage continues to be faithful in its instruction, as we continue to be, Lord willing, faithful, faithful in our instruction as, as as faithful churches see interns and pastoral residents come through and made um, formed, you know, sure. um, theologically, yep. spiritually, pastorally. I mean, may it be that in 20 years, the three of us can sit down around this microphone and talk about the gospel movements that have happened sure. in our country mm -hmm. sure. because there are, there, there's a real need. Absolutely. And, um, and I, man, I can get so emotional about it. I, I desire so much for, you know, people when they say, hey, we're moving to, you know, this location in British Columbia. Yeah. I, I desire to be like, you know what? We know a good brother there. Sure. And, and I'm not saying there aren't any. I, I, I could point you to Sure, a few. of course. But there are more options that are not so, few, like, you know, far between. And yeah, this is no discredit at all to our brothers who are, and sisters who are serving. Who are, who are fighting the good fight. Yeah. And so it wouldn't it be amazing to say, check out these three churches. Sure. You know, you're going to live here. Okay, well, you, you find yourself in the center of these three areas. Right. And so, you know, this is, this is something the Lord can do. And it is, it, what, what he requires from us is, as you said, Sean, faithfulness, That's right. patience, steadiness, faithfulness in the areas of service he's called us to now, yeah. faithful and sacrificial in our giving, faithful in our preaching and teaching of the word, and, uh, and and faithful in prayer, and maybe maybe something we could comment on, um, and if you have anything else you want to say, feel free to add it in. But what should our prayers look like? It strikes me. I mean, this is a big task, sure. And it can so quickly overwhelm us. What should form the content of our prayers? Yeah, Brian, you want to go first? You want to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you just came on. It's, sure. We're we're filming this uh, or recording this story on a Wednesday. Uh, afternoon, the, you, there was a gathering that met for prayer. Yeah, uh, not too long ago, right. you know, a, a small a group that meets over Zoom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Wednesday's they pray the for the revival of the church. So, so if, just, you, if you want to join us, if you, stop in the middle of your day and join us, I, I'm all ears for that. Uh, I'd lo love to have more people do that. And so, because of what we focused on in that prayer meeting, this is what's immediately on my mind: mm -hmm. is uh, what Paul asked for at the end of Ephesians six. He is, is the end of the section dealing with the, uh, the armor of God. And then he talks about praying at all times in every way for all the saints in the spirit. Uh, and then he asks for uh, one thing twice and then a, a second thing. He asks for that they would pray that he would be bold in his proclamation. Mm -hmm. So we need courage. And that the words would be given him 
to proclaim the mystery of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he prays for courage and he prays for clarity. Make my words clear as I speak about Jesus and help me to get over that fear factor that we often encounter mm -hmm. when we go to speak to other people about him. So that would be a really good way to pray, to model our prayer after the Apostle Paul, which is, you know, inspired scripture for us in Ephesians 6. Pray for courage and pray for uh, clarity. Those would be two great things. Yeah, and he's about. praying for the help of the Spirit. That's right. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, he's praying that God would uh, pour out his Spirit upon yeah. him so, so that the Spirit would come alongside of him and do the work. I mean, we know it's the Spirit that that is so proud, just so active when That's we true. talk to other people. Uh, he's the one who's That's helping right. us. He's giving us the words to speak. That's what uh, we from the book He is the one who is working in somebody else's heart That's to right. make that gospel effective. That's right. Uh, and so we don't, we never go into the battle alone. Um, but how to shape our prayer, as Caleb was asking, we, we pray for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and then in other people's lives sure. as well. I learned this one from John Newfeld, okay. who would, uh, who once encouraged a group of pastors to pray, uh, and this ties in with what you were saying, Brian. He once encouraged a group of pastors to pray that the Lord would lead us to those that His Spirit is working in that we might have the privilege hmm. of being able to share with them the gospel. Uh, so, And as they're regenerated, then their eyes are open to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. And they, they, they confess his name. Mm -hmm. And they believe in their heart that that, uh, that God raised them from the dead and they're saved. Mm -hmm. So pray that way. Yeah. We this we Do we believe the Spirit is working in the lives of people? I hope so. Mm -hmm. And if we do, let's just ask him, let me cross paths with those folks. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk to them. And, and share the gospel with them because God, we know, is irresistibly drawing people by His grace uh, mm -hmm. to His Son. So uh, we can certainly pray that way. You, I want, I want to hear what you have to say about this. I would say pray for the preaching of God's word week in and week out. We, you know, when we stand behind the pulpit there and, and we look out on the congregation, there are there are people there who self-admittedly some mm -hmm. don't know Christ. Sure. Um, some who are seekers, yep. um, others who are indifferent, yep. others who may not be showing the fruit sure. of righteousness sure. in their lives. And so there's a question mark yep. as to um, where they sit with the Lord. Yep. And then some of us, and, and, and I'll say us, because you know it, it's different people at different seasons, some of us could be complacent. Sure. And, 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 and what we need is we need active Christians. Right. And, um, and we, we all go through seasons of up, sure. up, ups and downs. And so as, as Brian was saying, we need to pray for the work of the Spirit in my life. Right. Lord, as the word is preached, yeah. um, use it um, in the lives of my brothers and sisters and then others who are sitting here who don't know Christ. But mm -hmm. use it in my life right. so that I am formed such that within my family yeah. there is renewal and revival and reformation. Right. And, and, and I think those ordinary prayers yeah. for ordinary things yeah. are, you know, incorrectly termed ordinary. Sure. That really, they're, they're, they're extraordinary. Yeah. And the, the ripple effects of one drop of rain in sure. a pond right. um, are, are so far-reaching. And so prayer for that. Yeah. As the church gathers, Lord, help us to be a compelling community. Sure. Amen. And in addition to that, or alongside of that, I, I don't want to lose sight either of the fact that we are praying to uh, him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine, mm -hmm. which is according to his power that is at work within us, mm -hmm. which is that power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So this is a substantial power we're talking about here. 
but uh, I don't want to lose sight of that. Mm -hmm. That uh, so as we think about these, the, the the really the dire need of our country, and as we think about how few people in our own city believe the gospel, and as we are faced with practical questions as a local church about how we're going to see these ministries continue and even grow as the Lord would grant, uh, let's remember that's the one that we're praying to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so pray for these ordinary, mm -hmm. quote-unquote ordinary things, absolutely. Um, but at the same time, remember, you know, nothing is impossible with the Lord. Uh, the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to Him. It's all His. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And so what does He want to give us? Um, Lord, what will you give us that we might be faithful? So let's continue to be faithful with what we have. Yeah. And I think we can boldly ask, Lord, would you be willing to give us more to be faithful with? Yeah. And what does that look like? And we have some decisions to make as a church along those lines. And so we really need to seek him on these matters. Any last thoughts or nagging comments? Yeah, I think... Um you asked a question earlier, and maybe this, uh, maybe we've already answered it. But what what are we to do? And I know we were to pray, we're to go. But 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 in light of what Sean said about just about, about who our God is and the power that He has, man, we got to get excited about totally. what's going on in our region. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have thousands and thousands of people coming right to our doorstep. Mm -hmm. That may or may not, and, and most likely not, the numbers are bared out, don't know the gospel, as you said. I mean, put it, if we were to, if we were to perhaps change the medium a bit, and, and again, all illustrations fall down, but if we were popsicle salesmen, <laughs> right? We were all popsicle salesmen, and we had a territory, and our territory was Cambridge, and we had, we, we somewhat infiltrated our market, and we weren't doing really well, and, and as a popsicle salesman, Somebody tells you, hey, guess what? There's a whole bunch of people moving into your territory, and they may or may not like popsicles. <laughs> I'm telling you, you'd get excited, wouldn't you? Yeah. Like, what, what can I do? I'm going to go I'm gonna go talk to those people and see if they want popsicles. Sure. It's yeah. opportunity. There's oh, yeah. a, a major opportunity. Yeah. And, and we don't serve a, a, a dead God who no. isn't active. We serve an active God. Mm -hmm. And so not only do we have the power of God behind us and, and the, the graciousness of his spirit and the and, um, and is the power of Christ in that. So we're selling much more than popsicles, sure. right? Like we're selling, <laughs> right. you know, we have life to share. Yeah. Uh, but but this is something to get excited yeah, about. Yeah. There are people coming into our area that, that don't know the Lord, yeah. and we have room in our church for them. Yeah. Uh, that's exciting, you know, and that's, um, mm -hmm. that's one of those things we can look at some of these numbers and, and get this sense of woe is me and dread sure. and... Mm -hmm. and you know, often I think sometimes in the church, maybe it's not as bad as it used to be. I feel like sometimes we'll just hunker down yes. and think, you know, you know, things are going to get bad. You know, it tells us in the Bible that things are going to get way bad before Christ returns. Well, then that maybe means we're getting closer to Christ's return. And, well, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, and so we sometimes, it's kind of weird. It, it's and, and maybe very, I'm off. Tell me if I'm off. No, but, I don't think you are. Um, and, and I think that should really concern us. If, if we look on and if we hold those end times views and we look on and we think things are getting really bad. We're rubbing and our makes, hands. And, and that makes us excited. I think that we're looking at things very, very wrongly. And there should at least be some grief. And yeah. there should certainly be some zealous action. Uh, to uh, see these things as, as opportunities. Yeah, and so so it's it's um, let's not you know let's not let's not get into our trench and cower and put our heads no. down. No, let's get up and over. 
Yeah. Like, like go up and over that trench and let's just go attack. Like, like get onto the offensive. Um, and, and go go win souls for the Lord, Amen. right? Yeah. Um, that's what we can do. And I just want to keep in mind the stat that uh, 32% of population growth in the Waterloo region was immigration. So I'm sure people have all sorts of different perspectives on immigration and numbers and all that type of thing. But as God's people, I think we should keep in mind that people are coming to our doorstep from other countries. Mm -hmm. And we have opportunity to reach them with the gospel, to evangelize them and disciple them to be what? Ambassadors for for Christ, Mm -hmm. who speak the language already Mm -hmm. of the country that they came from and understand the culture that they came from. And you know what? May it please the Lord to save them and send them back to the places where they've come from mm-hmm. as those who are ambassadors of Christ. Like, what a thrilling prospect that is to consider in the midst of all of this as well. Yeah, and, and we're going to see a lot more people coming into Canada and into North America that are that are Christians. Sure. I mean, if you look, why the numbers are, are are rather dire in North America, in the West, like, yeah. uh, we should say. Sure. They're not in the rest not of the world. Not in other parts, um, yeah. Brazil, China. Yeah Pew, yeah, Pew Research just came out with one recently that estimate, now again, they lump all Christians, Sure. And as Christians, sure. Um, but they, in a world of 6.8 billion people, yeah. they say that 2.1 of them wow. are Christian. Wow. 2.1 billion. Okay. And they've done some projections saying in 2050, what will it look like in 2050? So that's 30, less than 30 years mm-hmm. from now, that they estimate there will be about 2.9 okay. billion Christians. Okay. So that's, I mean, if you wow. do the math, that's 750 million, million. more Christians. 750 million more souls. Wow. Uh, so why Christianity is on a decline in North America and in the West, sure. it, that's not the same everywhere else. You know? And I think that's sometimes important to, to just to think through too. The universal church doesn't reside in the West. That's right. We need to humble you know, ourselves and recognize that's that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, the church, you know, at, because the church is perhaps shrinking in the West, doesn't necessarily mean that the church is being defeated. No, that's right. uh, it is it is growing in other parts of the world. Again, that just helps fuel our prayers. And we do this remembering, and I know you, I, I see you've got your Bible cracked, so you can have the last word. Um, we do this all in light of the fact that God is sovereign, which should never give us an excuse for inaction. inaction. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's an error. We should mm-hmm. avoid that. But the Father loves the Son. Mm-hmm and has given all things into his hands. And the Son loves the Father and will lose none of those that the Father has given to him. Mm-hmm. Christ will receive the reward of his sufferings. He will save his sheep and he will shepherd them forever. That's the one that we serve. And he has given the Spirit to empower us to make disciples of all nations. And this is what our God is doing. This is who he is and this is what he's doing. And so not only should we just be excited about the opportunity, mm-hmm. we have every confidence mm. to go with our chins up and engage because of the Trinitarian relationships that exist between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So. Strikes me that right at the end of our Bible in Revelation 22, mm-hmm. Christ reminds us a number of different times, Behold, I am coming. Sure. And that should send us back to the Great Commission. Right. And we've got a mission. Yeah. We've got a task. We face a task unfinished. That's right. And Christ says right at the end of this book of Revelation, I'm coming soon. 
Verse 7, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Verse 12, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the First, the Last, the Beginning, and the End. Verse 20, Surely I am coming soon. We have a Lord who is coming again, mm -hmm. and so we ought to pray for boldness and for clarity mm -hmm. as we proclaim his mighty word, and all of the mighty acts that he has done. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we hope that this has been of profit to you. Check out our show notes for any of the statistics that we have mentioned and any of the articles that we've um, spoken about along the way. See you later.